0: It didn't get a lot of coverage lost in the pre-Christmas frenzy of the impending government partial shutdown, but Congress passed and the president signed a new law aimed at enhancing workplace protections for congressional staff members. The Office of Compliance, the Capitol Hill's rough equivalent of the Merit Systems Protection Board, has some of the responsibility for carrying out that new law. For an update, I spoke with OOC Executive Director Susan Sway Grunman. Ms. Grunman, good to have you back.
1: Hey, Tom, how are you, my old friend?
0: Okay, good to talk with you. And, of course, your agency is funded and open through all of this elsewhere going on.
1: And that is the good news. There is no impact uh, on us. We are in the legislative branch, and we received our full funding in 2019 last year. So we're definitely up and running.
0: Okay, and I introduced you as the Office of Compliance Executive Director, but there's actually a new name for the agency, isn't there?
1: That's correct. As of December 21st, we are now called the Office of Congressional Workplace Rights, and we're happy with that because it really does better define our mission and purpose.
0: Yeah, OOC was nice to say, but it didn't really reflect the function. Absolutely. All right, well, that's one part of the new law, but there's a lot more to it. Tell us what what it does for the agency and what you've got to do to get ready to carry it out.
1: Sure. Um, Last year, we testified before Congress a number of times. We recommended changes that both the House and Senate initially implemented through resolution and are now incorporated in the Reform Act, such as mandatory training in workplace rights. The Reform Act, which wasn't acted last year, further moved our other recommendations into law, such as making mediation voluntary. Now, don't get me wrong, mediation is good, but the old law required Everybody to go to mediation whether or not they intended on settling. And the parties had to remain in mediation for at least 30 days. Also, changing the so called cooling off period so employees could seek court review faster rather than waiting the 60 days. There is now the mandatory posting of employee rights in every office. Unlike the executive branch, notice posting was not required until recently. And the coverage of the CAA is now extended to unpaid staff, including congressional interns, and we all know there are plenty of those on Capitol Hill.
0: And plenty of those have had their issues over the years, too, with members and other staff members.
1: I I see what you've read in the media.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, we've been following this a long time. I want to get back to the cooling off period. Explain more how that works now versus how it did.
1: Well, in the under the old law, and, and bear in mind that we are still under the old law until June 19th, and that's when we change over to the new structure. Um, under the old law, um, the employee essentially had to wait 60 days, about 60 days, go through two types of administrative processes before they could go to court. Now. Once the employee goes through intake with our office, they can go directly to
0: court. I see. Does that, do you think, will have a, an effect of lightening the workload that your folks have to decide?
1: I'm not sure it'll change or not. Um, some of the new changes coming down the line will specifically change the way we process cases at the outset. Under the Reform Act, a new step will be created whereby a hearing officer will make certain findings within 30 days of the employee filing the claim. And those findings include identifying factual and legal issues, determining whether the complaint is timely, determining whether the employee can actually file a claim under the CAA or the Reform Act, and whether the employing office is actually covered. Um, The hearing officer will also identify the potential for settlement, bearing in mind that mediation will be voluntary under the new process. And the hearing officer will determine whether uh, the employee has stated a claim for which relief can be granted. But, again, this is in the future. We're on day approximately 17, 18 by our count. If a claim is... Um, currently in our process or is initiated within this time frame, they're still under the old process.
0: Which is that the hearing officer makes the determination.
1: Um, No, there will not be an initial stage until June 19th.
0: I see. So how does it work now for the...
1: Our current structure has not changed. The process begins with counseling. The employee comes in through the door, actually discusses with a counselor what types of claims they have then the employee can or has to initiate mediation. That period must occur for 30 days, can be extended by the parties, and then afterwards the, party, the employee cannot file for an additional 30 days. They can't go to our administrative process or they cannot go to court. So it is roughly a 60-day period before an, ad- an employee can seek court review. That period has been eliminated.
0: Got it. We're speaking with Susan Sway Grunman. She is executive director of what was called the Office of Compliance. is now the Office of Congressional Workplace Rights. And when you arrived there after having had a career at the Merit Systems Protection Board as a commissioner, what might be summarized as the Me Too movement really hit workplaces, government, industry, Hollywood, all over the place. Has that affected the workload and what you've seen so far at the OOC or the OCWR? <laughs>
1: Uh, Let me first make a distinction. Um, At the MSPB, we were members, not commissioners. I think the EEOC had commissioners. But um, with regard to caseload, interestingly enough, we didn't see an initial impact. We are seeing a market increase now, and some of these cases do come from a new employing office, which came under our jurisdiction last March. It's also interesting because our caseload was at an all-time low at the end of 2017. We didn't see an increase until about midpoint last year. Uh, And we haven't released our numbers yet, but our caseload is today about 40% higher than it's been in previous years.
0: What is the nature of the cases? How can you characterize them by what it is that people are complaining about?
1: The vast majority of our cases are about discrimination, and not just based on gender or sex, but based on national origin, race, religion, disability. Um, uh, We cover Gina as well, veterans uh, uh, preference as well, all those cases are under our jurisdiction.
0: So it's more of that type of case than, say, the harassment or sexual abuse type of uh, claim.
1: Exactly. The vast bulk of our cases are actually based on discrimination for national origin and race.
0: And does this occur, or the plaintiffs, if you will, is it most of the discrimination coming from staff, senior staff at Congress, or from members themselves?
1: Actually, the bulk of our cases come from other instrumentalities outside of the House and the Senate. We don't see many of those cases, but we see more of them now. Most of our cases are from the larger employers um, among uh, the legislative branch.
0: That is to say, places like the Library of Congress, or not to name that one in particular, but those types of agencies in the architect? Exactly. Interesting, but not so much from the the 535 members that constitute Congress.
1: Yeah, but bear in mind, too, that each member of Congress and their office is a separate employing office. The House itself is not one complete employer. There are actually 535 individual offices in Congress.
0: And none of them are hub zones or anything, are they?
1: There are certain offices that see to the administration of the House and the Senate. Sure. And those are they're not political in nature. they are career staff. But the individual offices each constitute a separate office.
0: And I wanted to ask you as Executive Director now for what it's a good year, I think you've been there. Almost two. Almost two. Time flies. How did your experience as a member of the MSPB? Uh, inform and help you as an executive director, that is to say not a case decider so much, at, at the new place?
1: Well, um, there's definitely a, a transition. Uh, in addition to the similarities in case law, such as uh, discrimination, there were a couple lessons. Not all the lessons from the executive branch translate into the legislative field, but um, First, the key lesson is, of course, that that there are lawmakers who will listen and evaluate your concerns and the recommendations we made. Second, perhaps really is a matter of timing. Uh, What worked in 1995 when our office was born no longer works now. The workforce has changed, the culture has changed, and clearly we know that what was tolerated before no longer will be tolerated. So bearing that in mind, before the Reform Act passed, We actually understood the need for an underlying cultural change. And so through our statutorily mandated education program, we've been conducting training aimed at changing this culture, including bystander intervention, which focuses on how everyone has a role in cultural change, and unconscious bias, which focuses on spotting biases, which although biases are not necessarily bad, they can impact The people you hire, the people who are assigned to tasks, the people who are promoted, and certainly the people who are fired. And finally, the key lesson is having a motivated and talented staff that is truly focused and understands the mission and purpose. Um, And that's always critical, but it will be particularly critical in the days to come.
0: And getting back to the office itself, any other changes that you expect coming?
1: Absolutely. Um, Some changes coming in the future would be the automatic referral to congressional ethics committees of claims involving members of Congress and senior staff. The Reform Act also creates the right for an employee to have a confidential advisor in our office. And there's also the requirement that we conduct a climate survey in the legislative branch, like what OPM does in the executive branch. Our survey, however, will also have specific questions on attitudes related to sexual harassment.
0: Wow, so you've got to really gear up for something. That's a major administrative and logistics effort.
1: Absolutely, and it covers everything from the simple to the sublime. As for the simple, we're securing a new domain name. OCWR.gov, which reflects our new name. And the sublime would include drafting new procedural rules to implement the structure, hiring more hearing officers, because hearing officers will be evaluating every case as it comes through the door, bringing on a confidential advisor, um, developing a new electronic filing system. So we have timelines. We're meeting with our oversight committees. We're going to be reaching out to our stakeholders. And Tom, as you know, we're a very small office and we all wear many hats, but we will all be wearing more hats in the months to come.
0: And getting to that issue of a case management system, a lot of agencies have had trouble with that kind of thing. Is there a model of an existing system or an existing system you can just borrow and adopt?
1: Um, We actually have a case management system currently. We're going to be tweaking it and enhancing it to cover some of the um, other issues that the Reform Act brings to us.
0: And with respect to the survey, now in the Federal Employee Viewpoint Survey every year, the results are broken out by each agency, component agencies and independent agencies, as well as at the department level. You mentioned that in addition to the congressional offices that are not Congress itself, Congress itself is 535 hiring locations. Will the results of the employee survey be broken down into all those 535?
1: That's what we're discussing with our oversight committees as we speak.
0: Because with the smaller staffs, it could be possible to identify the cause of a super high or super low score, possibly.
1: I I think, and that's the concern.
0: So no decisions yet?
1: No decisions yet. I think what we can do, though, is... um, with the larger instrumentalities, uh, they'll be broken out. They could be broken out. This is part of the discussion that needs to occur with uh, the oversight and our stakeholders to break it out by instrumentality. Or maybe just assign it to the House in general and the Senate in general. That's another way to look at it.
0: And when do you have to make that decision, and when when does the law require this survey to happen?
1: The the law requires that we launch the survey one year from an enactment. So about this time next year, you'll be seeing the survey go live.
0: Susan Sway Grunman is executive director of what was the Office of Compliance, now the Office of Congressional Workplace Rights. As always, thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Tom. We'll post a link to more information and to this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.